lift it up, Lord God. Allow your word to come forth in power and demonstration. None of me, Father. All of you. We desire to bring glory to your name by receiving the engrafted word of God that's able to change our lives in a moment, our destiny, our purpose, our direction. Come, Holy Spirit, manifest yourself. Teachers of all teachers, teach us today. It's in Jesus' name that we say amen. You may be seated in heavenly places. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is doing something extraordinary today. Are you you ready to walk in the extraordinary? Are you ready to step into your true purpose and be able to really see what God has for you today? Are you ready to walk out of your past forever and never go back? Yes. Old ways of thinking and behaviors. I know I'm ready. I never give my notes to Pastor. He doesn't share his with me. I guess it's just the way that God has given us this type of ministry and somehow he make it to be one that's what he do as pastor was giving you all the different types of seasons that you going to be entering in or already in pastor i want you to know that that list of the 14 are all summed up in this one season good god all right glory to god it's the season to seek the face of God. Amen. Amen. It's the season to seek his face. The reason it's a season to seek his face is how much I know a lot of us have heard about, or even maybe we're part of it, to where pastors, teachers, and five-fold ministry are getting exhausted in their call. They're walking away from the people of God. And they leave the sheep open, vulnerable. That's right. To be preyed upon by deceivers of the word. And this is happening because we are not seeking. We stopped seeking the face of God because of routine. So we go to church, we read the word, we pray, we worship. But it's out of routine. It's not out of relationship anymore. It's out of routine that I pray. It's out of routine that I witness. And so when you're in a routine, you're in a place of being familiar. And we ought to never get familiar with God. Anyone you get too familiar with, you take for granted. Lose respect and trust. And ultimately, love because I'm too familiar with you. Oh, that's just Jay. So now when Jay speaks, I'm no longer hearing her speak as God because I've gotten too familiar with her. So many times when we're in this Christian walk, 
we lose our power. We lose our faith because we become too familiar. And we're speaking the word of God, but it's not breathed through the spirit of God. I've been teaching on for the last three Sundays, and I want to just recap because it brings us up to this point. And the title of this message is Finding God. Because you know why? Some of us has gotten spiritually, there's a drought in our spiritual walk with God. We've come to a place to where God's no longer exciting. So we're looking for another high. We're looking for another word. We're looking for entertainment. We're looking for our emotions to be moved because God is no longer exciting. He's no longer moving in our lives. So let's just recap the last three messages. And it will validate what season that we're really in. So the, the first one was this, greatness, correction of the Lord. Okay. All this was back three Sundays ago. Greatness. See, when we are being corrected, we don't feel that this is producing greatness. Just like a child, if you don't correct your child, then they won't produce greatness. They won't succeed. They won't be successful. There is success in correction. Amen? Amen. The second one was the plead of God. Return back to me. That was the second message. The plead of the Father. Return back to me. The third one was fine-tuning your focus. So that's that divine redirection of your thinking. This, to, this is to validate all what pastors just listed. Those 14 things all are summed up in this one season. This one season of finding God. This is the season for those who are saved and unsaved to find God. Not that he's not with you, but at the level that he desires to be with you. Not at the level that you desire to be with him, but at the level that he desires to be with you. So when we talked about greatness, correction of the Lord, just give you a few highlights. Proverbs 20, 30. It says, when a strong blow comes and it wounds you, it rashes out evil that's in your heart. This is a spiritual blow because it purifies the evil in your soul, in your emotion, in your way of thinking. The word of God, when it corrects, it, it sends a blow to your spirit. And it, purifies, it purifies your way of thinking, your emotions. Mm -hmm. 
it brings balance to you. The correction of the Lord. And we are to consider it the favor of God. Come on. You see, we're looking for favor in another way. Come on, teach. He said, I favor you when I correct you. You're going to prosper when I correct you. You can't be spiritually elevated unless you're corrected. And see, when when he does this, and while we've been operating a certain behavior, a certain behavior of rebellion, and we talked about that. Rebellion has us, some of us, in a falsehood of love with God and each other. A falsehood of love with God and each other. So when we walk contrary to the will of God, but then we kind of make, we kind of reason as to why we're walking contrary to the will of God. We are then walking in a falsehood of the love that I have for you and also for God. God will not allow anyone in his kingdom that he cannot rule. If you think you have control of your own life and do what you want to do, when you want to do it, God said, you are not allowed in my kingdom because I can't rule you. The fathers plead, return back to me, give me your highlights to bring you up to date. His plea includes knowing the reality of repentance and atonement. Giving you the reality of what it means to be covered. Atonement. He's, he wants to give you reality of what he did in, in your redemption. And we have to be consistently conscious about what we were redeemed from. This is why... Our joy is not intensified. This is why our gratefulness and gratitude towards God is not intensified because we are not reminded of what we were redeemed from. Unless there's a time for communion. Now remember. He said this is supposed to be a consistent consciousness that I have covered you. And your repentance should be so that you are afflicted in your soul so much and so intense that it caused you to moan over your sins and how we are not walking in love. He said, return back to me. This is the time, he says, of purification. He said, obey me and order your life He said, and order your life to live according to my word. Order your life. And your obedience will be with the fullness of heart and soul. So much that it will erupt from deep within. And it will touch every dimension of your life. So much so that it will draw other men unto you because of the repentant state that you walk in. See, when there is, when you walk in a conscious mindset of repentance and what he redeemed you from, 
You are walking in a time to receive promise. You're walking in a time to receive his promises. See, we don't have to pray for the promise. Walk in repentance and the atonement of reality of what he has redeemed from you from, and you will receive the promise. See, we're praying for things that you have to live out from within. We're asking for things that's predicated on how you order your life according to the word of God. And it should be a simply, Cindy, I thank you. Because you're walking, this is why he says, no good thing will I withhold from those who walk upright. No good thing. So why do we pray for things? Why are we looking for things? He said, no good thing will I withhold from you. So that means if I'm walking upright, all good things are coming to me. He said, when you are walking in this state, you are moving forward. You're not a person who's stagnated. You're moving forward. That means that you're a success. He said, you're in a place of being complete. And you're doing what your older generation did not accomplish. He's calling for a new generation to love him and to serve him from their heart. Fine-tune your focus. Last message of the three. The word of God says this. The children of the world are wiser than the children of God. Don't you probably maybe sometime in your life question why someone who is not a child of God appear to be successful. They not appear they appear to not be struggling. They appear not to be experiencing hard times, right? So we, we kind of look at that. But the word of God says this is real simple. It's because they understand something that we don't. Because they understand how to take things that are practical and put them in principle. And stay focused enough until they accomplish it. We do the opposite. We avoid, we avoid practicality and hide behind spirituality. And we talked about this before. I'm praying for a financial breakthrough, but I refuse to pay my bills. Practical thing, call up the creditors and tell them how much you can pay. I can pay $20 a month on this bill. Pull your credit report. Call them. I don't, need to, I don't need to pay a financial advisor. Nobody really knows my bills like I do and, what, and how much I can afford to pay. Practical, right? He said, and then he said they stay focused because it's not on my finance. My focus is on where I'm going. And see, they actually accomplish that because they stay focused on the goal. We often, have, we often are focused on more than one thing. And the only thing that we are to be focused on is God. 
He said, bring your focus in to him, which leads us now to finding God. Amen. Let's go to our foundation scripture here, which is Zechariah 8. And I'm going to get you to read this, Al. Um, chapter 8, verse 20, 23. Okay, it's 20 through 23, I believe that it is. Yep. You can read any version you like. It's Zechariah 8. Yes, sir. Yes, I do. <laughs> Thus says the Lord of hosts, it will yet be that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one will go to another saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. He's speaking now. He said, it will yet be the people will come, even the habitation of many city. They will go. He said, let us go at once and entreat the favor of God. Let us go at once and seek God's face. Let the nation of God's people go at once and seek his face. They're not seeking it for favor, but they know when they do seek his face, they will gain favor with God. And to find God is to seek his face. Let's deal with the word seek. The word seek, it actually means to aim at. Again, focus. It means to hold. It means to beg. Seek. It says let's aim at God. Let's hold God. Let's, let's entreat God. When it comes to begging, you know when you... You really want something, you don't stop until you get it. Because your flesh puts you in those situations. You feel like you just have to have something, have to eat something, have to drink something, have to do something, right? Have to have it. Have to go to the event, the place. The people have to have them. Amen? And so with that have to have, you won't let up until you get. Amen? See, but when it comes to the word of God, why don't we feel like we have to have? So what's really important about finding God? What's so important about finding God? I asked some believers the other day. I said, did you read? I said, what did you read today? One said, I didn't read anything. Another said, well, I was in the news, the Christian news, so did you consider that to be reading the word of God? And I, so the other one said they hadn't read it. Well, no, they said they was listening. They was listening to a um, sermon. 
And it wasn't like, you know, I just decided I wanted to do that. The Holy Spirit put that in me, so I just asked. And not knowing in my study that the reason why you really need to continue to seek God is because when you read the word of God, did you know this? Now, you know that you're made holy, right? You've been made holy. The thing about it is that when you stop reading the word of God, you're not conscious that you are holy. You've been made holy. But when you stop reading the word of God, you lose consciousness of your holiness. So when you read the word of God, it perfects your holiness. When you read the word of God, hear my voice, it perfects your holiness. This is why it's such a struggle to do what's right, because you're not reading the word of God. So you cannot be perfected. So the more you don't read the word of God, the less and less you're conscious that you're holy. And the more and more that you can reason that what's wrong is right in your life. It restores righteousness. It restores righteousness. It refreshes your righteousness. It renews your righteousness. And then what's most important, it re- you often receive divine hidden truths about God. Divine hidden truth about God and about yourself. When you read the word of God, you're then, it brings you, see, when you pray, the whole purpose in praying is to get into the presence of God. So when you get into the presence of God, now you get to know God's heart. And when you get to know God's heart, you get to know your heart. The closer you get to God, you see everything that's wrong with your heart. Everything that's wrong with your heart. This is why we don't want to read nor pray. Because prayer, true prayer takes you into the presence and to the glory of God. And in the glory of God, your sin has to be eradicated. No sin can stand before God. So this is why we don't really want to go into the holies of the holies. Because your sins will be exposed. You will be purified because you will see your heart. The closer and closer you get to God, the more we see how we're not worthy. The more and more we see how much we need to be humble. The more and more we see how we need to be meek. The more and more we see how we need to be patient. We need to be long-suffering. The more and more you get into the presence of God, the more you see that you have need of God. We're talking about finding God. The Bible says that we don't naturally seek God. It's not in your nature to want to naturally seek God. 
So this is why he's giving you Holy Spirit to cause you to seek him. To remind you haven't spent time with him. To remind you what you're doing. This is not of God. Holy Spirit is the one that's called alongside you to cause you to be holy. Amen. God gives and he commands us to forsake our sin. Go ahead and praise him. See, you know what? Praise is always timely. Praise is always timely. I want to know that you're free in here. Glory to God. <laughs> the Lord gives mercy and goodness to those who seek and find him. So when you don't deserve mercy, he gives it to you. When you don't deserve a promotion, and you don't deserve to get a job because and you should have been fired. Because you haven't been seeking, exactly, deserve to be fired, but they still, he still allow you to be there because he loves us so much. Come on. Mm. God's calling you, again, Pastor, one of the 14 seasons, God's calling you to himself to be alone. All right, there you go. He's calling you to himself. Isolation. To be alone. It's protection. Because unconsciously, we're governed by what we're familiar with. Come on. And that's where you want to stay. You want to stay with the same people, even though they don't mean you're any good. You want to do the same things, even though you know that's not good, because that's what you're familiar with. You trust that. This is why he's calling you out to himself. He said, the things that your situation of your hardship, he said, you're so familiar with that that you don't seek me. You complain about your hardship, but you won't seek me with your whole heart and with all of your soul because you are familiar with hardship. Mm-hmm. And that's where you feel most comfortable at. It's an insane type of position to be in. Hardship, but I'm familiar with that. And try to find comfort with others in it, to agree. See, and, and when you stop reading the word, your situation, your circumstance, your hardship calls you back. And you answer. Mm-hmm. Teach up in here. We are to be delivered from our sins, to be effective in ministry, in prayer, and grow into maturity of God. His spirit supposed to be, we are supposed to be so full of his spirit. Come on. That because it's abiding inside of us, other people are supposed to get saved just by standing there in your presence. Hey. Because Come the on. fullness of God has decided to abide inside of you. I know that's right. There's no room. There is no room for error. There's no room for excuse. There's no room for not serving God wholeheartedly. There's no excuse. Because you gain new life every time you read the word of God. You gain new life. You gain new purpose. You (laughs) gain... You gain new insight. You gain new power. You gain strength when you read the word of God. This is why the enemy pulls you away. Your situation, your friends, your family. 
emotions pull you away from reading the word of God, praying and being in the presence of God. Because if I could get, get him or her out of the presence of God, I can get you to sin. If I can get you out of the presence of God, I can get you to sin. Light and darkness cannot mix. He's calling us back to himself. We have to find God. During this process, Holy Spirit, he facilitates God's purpose in our life. He's, he's redefining our realities. He's redefining our priorities in our life. Holy Spirit does that. The Christ-likeness must become our singular focus. Christ-likeness. Do you think you're really living like Christ? On a consistent basis? Or are we doing what we want to do, when we want to do, and how we want to do it? But let me really leave you with this. These are two things that we have to do to ensure we are Christ-likeness. There are two things. We have to know the heart of God, and we have to know our hearts. The Word of God says that the heart is, is so deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than all else. It says nothing else is more deceitful than our hearts. It's desperately wicked. Sick. Who can understand it? He's letting you know, you don't even understand yourself because of this heart. Because of the fallen nature. He said, you don't understand yourself until you understand my heart. Then you'll understand yourself. Then you'll understand where you're at. You'll understand, you understand your spiritual walk. You'll understand your natural walk. You'll understand that you're living in two realities. Natural and supernatural. He said, you'll understand this. Our hearts. We think so highly of what we know so little of. <laughs> we think so highly. Don't let us get a degree or anything. We think so highly of some of the things or job, or job materialistic things, just of ourselves. Matter of fact, because you know yourself so well. You think so highly of what you know so little about. The word of God says you don't even know yourself. You're thinking that, oh, I want to, I, I want to be an instructor. I want, to, I, I, I want to have a business. I want to do this. I want to do that. Oh, God sent me here. He sent me that. He said, stop. You need to know my heart first. Then know your heart. And now you can properly listen to me and know exactly what I have for you to do. Not what you desire for yourself. Our fallen thinking process automatically justifies our action and rationalize our thoughts. Meaning, your fallen thinking always say that you're thinking right. Deceive. Your fallen thinking always says everybody else is wrong. Everybody. That, this is what it says. Without Holy Spirit, we are nearly defenseless against our own innate 
tendency towards self-deception. It's the worst deception. Without Holy Spirit, we are nearly defenseless against our own heart. Because our tendency is toward being self-deceived. Anytime that you feel darkness, it's not God. Nope. Nope. He says, stop pretending that you're righteous and simply become. Stop pretending that you're righteous and just become. So we can really advance the kingdom of God. Why is it now... People not really being saved, they're just being transported from place to place. That's right. And there are very few miracles and signs and wonders of God. It's because of a self-deception of righteousness. See, the Israelites, when it came to the Pharisees, you have a lot of Christians much like the Pharisees. They believe in the signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. And they highly believe in the law. And the Pentateuch. They highly believe in, in the law. So much so that they were, this is how the, we, they've gotten to evolve into not even spelling out God's name. That's right. But that's not what God will have us to do. They did so many I guess, rituals. There you go. That's a good word. And when it came to giving tithes and offering or just offering, they gave, and see, we well, inwardly complain about probably giving. Uh, not so much outwardly, but inwardly, we complain about giving. They gave so much, and they had so many different types of offerings. You would be given offering for everything. It was at least 10 or 12 different it's offerings. A whole lot. Depending on the feast. Depending on the feast. And, and they, they gave with a heart of love and, and reverence and respect because of the creator. Mm -hmm. They prepared all the whole time. Stop pretending to be righteous. Mm. Word of God says... Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. Psalms 24, 3 through 4. It says, who may ascend? It says, who may go into the presence of God? Who can up? Who can ascend towards God and, and to walk into a furnace of truth? A furnace of truth. Uh-huh. With falsehood, where falsehood is extracted from our soul. He said, who can walk into a furnace of truth? Because he's, all See, he's letting you know that there are a lot of us who are living and deception of our righteousness. This is why our lives are not changing. I need you to hear me. It's because when you come into his presence, 
It is a furnace of truth. And it's going to burn out of you all impurities. He's a consuming fire. Yes. Yes. He said, can you? That's the question, what he's really saying. Can you ascend into my presence? Can you ascend into my presence and really receive some hidden truths about me and what's in my heart? Can you really ascend into the presence of God? Can you really raise the dead? Can you really lay hands on the sick and they recover? Can you do that? Who can ascend in the presence of God? Who in here can ascend into the presence of God? Clean hands. He says, only clean hands. A pure heart. And a pure heart. Have you discovered your true self? The inner person whom truth alone can free. Oh, this is good. Have you discovered who you really are? Mm. Are you trying to please other people to who you think they want you to be? Do you know who you really are? The true you. The person whom truth alone can only free. Truth, knowing God's heart as it was revealed in Christ. This is the truth. Knowing God's heart as Christ was revealed in God. And knowing our hearts in the light of God's grace that you've been redeemed. When we find truth, we find ourselves. When we find truth, when you really find truth, which is God, you find yourself because you are in God. You're born again so that you are in God. So when you seek him, you will find who you really are. And when you find who you really are, allow God to purge you from all impurities so that you can actually walk in all of his divine promises to be able to hear his voice, to be able to now have vision, have dreams, to live a successful spiritual life as well as a natural life, to prophesy, to deliver, to help set free the captive. Who get a sin? Who can ascend into the presence of God? <laughs> find God, and you will find your true self. Pray that the word of God has reached your heart, found a, a pliable soul in your heart to where it changes the inner man. And then you're walking in tremendous power so you can easily love. To be in the presence of God, you first must be humble. You must be meek. And meek means that you have to be pressed down upon. Go ahead. And when you press down upon, it means that the trials and, and testings through people is how I respond to it. 
gentle. Amen. I go through my trials and my testing gentle. My response to you is gentle. My response to the issues that I'm going through, I'm not freaking out in my emotions. I respond, be, I respond because I've endured being meek and humble, pressed down upon the word of God that gets weighty sometimes. But when I get in the presence of God, he strengthens me to be even pressed down even more. So then I'm gentle. This is what he even did on the cross. He was meek in his entire walk. He was humble. And his response to his persecutors, all those who raised up against him, he was meek and humble. He was pressed down upon the word that his father had given him. And so in his trial, he was able to endure it and walk in tremendous love and joy. Pray that the word of God has richly developed your spirit today. And you are able to ascend into the presence of God.